What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Comet ML Office Hours, powered by the Artists of Data Science. Super excited to have all of you guys here. Thank you so much for joining me this Sunday, May 16th. Uh, really excited to have you guys here and really excited to introduce you guys to uh, Austin. Austin is the head of community at Comet ML. He'll be joining us, uh, I think, fairly frequently for these uh, office hours. So it's going to be a pleasure to have him here. Austin, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of what uh, what does the head of community mean at Comet ML? What, what are some of the things that you're going to be uh, taking taking up? Absolutely, yeah. Um, thanks, Harpreet. Um, so what I'm going to be doing, you know. Um, at Comet as the head of community is sort of working with, um, you know, individual data scientists, practitioners, learners, and sort of helping them along their journey, um, whether that's through educational content or events like this or, or other sort of um, like high level community efforts, um, you know, through, through those, through those sort of channels. So what I'm doing today is just sort of um, checking this out. I've, I've watched a couple of the recorded episodes and I, I love how this goes. So I'm just kind of interested to see, um, you know, with my own two eyes, how this goes. And, and we got lots of big ideas for, for what we want to work on over at Comet. Cause we focused a lot on, um, sort of the enterprise side of things. And now we're, we're trying to figure out uh, ways that we can engage the audience in, in real and genuine ways. And before I was at Comet, I spent three and a half years at a startup called Fritz AI, where I did a lot of the same work. Um, it was machine learning for mobile devices. So I did a lot of community building and content work there. So just kind of learning the ropes. I started on Monday, so it's all brand new to me. So just kind of like meeting folks and, and trying to get a feel for things. So um, thanks Harpreet. And um, I'll have much more to talk about at, at some point as I kind of learn more, but uh, yep, uh, that's that's my role at Comet. So man, thank you. Yeah. I was talking to Austin a little bit earlier this week and we're just brainstorming some ideas to do cool things for you guys on Sunday morning. I know right now it's an awesome format, drop in, ask questions and get advice in your journey and your career. But we got some awesome things coming in the near future um, that I think will help you guys as well, especially when it comes to experimentation with machine learning and things like that so i'm excited to, to see where this goes oh well right on man thanks everybody for for hanging out we got kevin christoph and ollie in the house let's open the floor up for questions if anybody has a question go ahead and unmute yourself and go for it if there are no questions then i guess i'd like to propose a question to you guys oh christoph go for it uh, hi all i hope you had a great week Harpreet, um, congratulations on Super Data Science Podcast. I saw your episode was like the best episode of the month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they voted my episode the episode of the month month for Super Data Science Podcast. So super honored for that. Cool. Yeah, and um, that reminded me because you were talking about um, most important skills for the future, I believe, and you mentioned uh, learning how to learn. Mm -hmm. And I know that you study learning. Uh, you mention quite often Seth Godin, I believe, uh, Jim Quick, or uh, learning how to learn course. Barbara Oakley. And my question is, um, um, how do you create fun by learning? Because uh, I, I believe all of them talk about um, emotions that are going through when we learn. And uh, I was just wondering if you apply something like that when you learn. I mean, do you create fun? Do you um, do you set yourself in, in a better mood or something? I mean, this is yeah. a question for everybody, but I know that you, you study this subject, so I'd like yeah. to know. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to see how the people answer this as well. Um, but yeah, like learning is state dependent, right? Like you have to 
enjoy what it is that you're about to undertake, what it is about your, you're about to go study and get into. Otherwise, it just makes for a negative experience. And if there's a negative experience, then you're just not going to retain stuff. You're not going to enjoy it. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pleasurable. And I think the way to combat this this thing is just learn things that you are excited about, right? Like I, I don't spend time learning stuff that I don't necessarily care about, right? Like I'll, I'll when I am reading a book, when I'm setting out to learn how to do something, it's because I'm genuinely interested in this. I think that it's going to be beneficial for me. I think it's going to be beneficial for me to tell other people about it so that I can kind of reinforce that that understanding that I have. But it's it's all about just having that positive emotion going in. You have to love it. You have to enjoy it. And you do that. Easiest way is to just study the things that you actually care about. Right, study the things that you actually enjoy doing, and I know that's kind of is is trite the right word for that for that comment, but uh, but but it, it it's the easiest way to do that. Uh, Austin, what about you? Yeah, I have a, a small follow up to that. I mean, I I come from a different kind of background. I come from a English creative writing journalism, so I have a, a few different sort of humanities type background. Um, so not as much in the data science world. The one thing I always learned, or what helped me learn and enjoy learning was to, um, when it made sense to divorce the learning itself from the outcome of what that means. So like, if it's, you know, you're trying to learn something and, and being able to divorce it from like, okay, once I learn this, I will be able to do X that can sometimes get in the way of enjoying what you're learning because you're pointed towards an outcome before you even had a chance to like take in the information. Um, so I used to experience this a lot when I was in a creative writing program where we were re- reading a lot of books of poems and I was re- at the same time writing a book of poems and, uh, I started reading books with the with the the sense of like, oh, how can I use this in writing my own book? And that was actually like counter uh, productive for me because what happened was is I started like losing my sense of voice, my um, my my drive to read for pleasure, what had gotten me into the field to begin with. Um, so it's like if you translate that over to data science or machine learning, it's like kind of retapping, finding ways to divorce the outcome of your learning from the actual learning process itself, um, and then figuring the rediscovering that joy in those uh, topics or in those content areas that you're learning. And that would be my sort of take on that. That's, I absolutely love that because now it's like, it's the, the process of learning itself that becomes enjoyable, not the end result. I think, I think, right. Um, very kind of stoic attitude towards that. It's just, it's all about the process, divorce yourself from the, from the results, right. Um, make a learning the, not a means to an end, but just make learning the end in itself, Um, like I love reading. I just develop a a love for reading and uh, it's just having that love for reading, that love for learning. That's the basis, the foundation of your self-education, right? Because otherwise you can't teach yourself anything unless you learn to, to love learning and love reading. But I love to hear uh, what other people have to say. Maybe let's hear from Renata. How, How do you keep yourself pumped up and motivated and just continuously learning? Hi, Harpreet. Hi, everyone. Uh, well, actually, what helped me recently was uh, finding this group, I have to say, first of all. Uh, and secondly, is actually finding a new course uh, that I was excited. So I find it that, well, in nature, I'm excited always about new things, new beginnings. So uh, finding this new course and a new teacher, um, which actually had a new type of a new style, how the same things that I was already, well, a little bit familiar with was telling and presenting in a different manner actually brought me to, to really being, you know, already motivated and, and uh, really hyped and, and learning the same aspects a little bit more in depth. So maybe sometimes, you know, if you're really stuck, uh, finding something new could help. Yeah, I like that advice too. And another piece of, of, of 
a tip, I guess, or wisdom or advice, whatever you want to call it, is you have to be very, very compassionate with yourself while you are learning because it is completely okay to just messed shit up and get it completely wrong or misunderstand it. And there can't be a a rush to learn it, right? You can't be like, oh, I have to learn how to do this thing in one week. Otherwise life is going to be over. Not nah, like keep going, going back to it, keep revisiting it, keep trying to mull it over. And if you don't understand, if you don't understand it the first time around, like that is completely okay. Like, like hundred percent, that is okay. Just go back, revisit it and keep working through it. Keep working through it. Um, I'd love to hear from, uh, from anybody else. Let's see from either uh, from Ali, Kevin or auntie said auntie is on a, on a jog. We'll hopefully get a good jog, jog in there, auntie. Um, and anybody else want to chime in here, Kevin? Yeah, I just learning a little of the time. I find that sometimes it could be so overwhelming. And when I realize that the trainer or the speaker, I'd, do a lot of online stuff. When I look at it and he just said something and my mind is kind of like, huh? It's like, turn it off, break time, take a break, get a fresh, and then come back to it later when you, when you, you give your mind a break. Cause it, it can be very overwhelming at times. Yeah. And, um, I just, this question reminded me of this uh, tweet that I'd come across. It's a tweet storm about a week ago from, uh, Santiago. Uh, he, I'm going to share the screen right now. He did this really cool uh, tweet storm that I really enjoyed that I recommend you guys checking out if I could find my desktop. Um, Here it is. And it's just a six step process that completely changed my life. Maximize what you don't learn, which is super important. I think we touched on that. Just make sure you learn stuff that you want to learn. Avoid schedules, use uncomfortable situations, learn as a byproduct, teach somebody else, circle back in a month. Um, And I was like, this is like such truth to distill down in in just a few bullet points, because this is essentially how how I learn myself. Right. Um, Then he goes and he expands upon each uh, each tweet individually in this tweet storm uh, it's really really interesting um but that part right there that minimize the noise maximize what you don't learn especially in data science i think that is super super important because there is so much to learn right like i don't know a damn thing about deep learning i know nothing about genetic algorithms i've barely used neural networks that's cool like i'm just not i'm just not going to go around studying that stuff just because it's it's there for me to study it's once i have a use case that requires that then i can go in and learn it um, but i'd rather just learn the stuff that i really enjoy right which for me is mostly probability and statistics and stuff like that um i'll pause here see if there's any uh, other comments ali yeah, I read uh, my first time here. Uh, great show. I had it. Thank you. Um, so yeah, having a having a case to work on and actually trying to help people like uh, I find that very motivating for myself. Like you said, uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn, but choosing to learn them in the right time and the right moment that uh, creates the drive uh, usually for me. And and yeah, taking a break is very important because sometimes we need to sleep on it to let the brain process. But yeah, everything is possible with a little bit of effort uh, here and there uh, and, and taking the right pauses yeah, and helping people. Yeah. yeah, having to learn something that you then have to teach, it's, it's awesome, right? Because when you teach something, you have to learn it twice in a sense. Um, but yeah, man, Christoph, is that helpful? What, what are you going through right now? Are you just like getting frustrated with learning stuff? What's What's going on? No, I was just... I just wanted to know your opinions about it because I think it's a skill because all of us who are here, we are here because we want to learn. I mean, nobody sacrifices Sunday time to meet with people with same interests uh, when they don't want to learn. 
because we, we are here to grow and uh, I also like learn a lot and I try to uh, do it efficiently. So I was curious if, uh, if you have some tips, some hacks about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, man. I wish there was hacks, but the, it, it's one of those things where the, there's not like a hack. And you get enough advice on this topic, sometimes I think it'll cancel out to, out to zero. So you just kind of take bits and pieces from other people that you think might work for you and then just try to implement it, try it, experiment. If it seems like it works, then keep going with it. If it doesn't work, then all right, whatever, like, you know, move on to the next tip or whatever um but ultimately it's just finding what what works for you um, i did that for a while man like i used to just read all these books and i suddenly still do read all these books and I was, mostly in that business and self-help and personal development type of space and i would read stuff and i'll be like oh shit that's great i need to try this i need to do it and i started doing it and i started doing it for a while and i'm like well, why am i doing this man like I'm not liking it. It's not enjoying it, but it's supposed to make me better somehow, some way. Um, but then I realized that, you know what, it's just about taking bits of stuff from everyone, trying it, seeing what works for me, and then trying to form my own kind of set of practices with everything that I get exposed to. Um, but yeah, so Mark is in the house. Mark, what's going on, man? Mark, I'd love to get your take on this question. So Christoph, can you repeat your question for Mark? <laughs> Uh, so my question was, do you have any tips or, uh, or um, I mean, like a uh, question was about learning. Do you have any uh, methods to create fun when you learn? Because I mean, like positive emotions, because this is what boosts our learning abilities. Do you have anything like this that you would like to share? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a really, really good question. Um, I guess like, it's just really dependent on how you define fun. So for me, like for fun, for me, I love solving puzzles. And so coding is like a giant puzzle or open book test. And so I love that kind of hustle of being very frustrated and trying to figure something out and then like that breakthrough. And that's the fun part for me. But also like, <clears throat> like, I feel like that only works when you kind of know what you're doing, you know, there's going to be an end. So like on that earlier side is picking a, a domain um, for a project, for a side project that's interesting to you, where you, where you're very passionate about it. So for me, it was healthcare. Um, so when I was first learning um, how to code, um, I basically said, I want my master's thesis to, <laughs> to be something where I, I forced myself to learn how to code. Um, one, because there's this pressure to like, I need to do this, <laughs> but also is this domain of healthcare. And I was very passionate. I want to solve these healthcare problems. And so all my other side projects as well, um, when I don't know something, choosing something I'm passionate about um, is, is kind of the thing that that gives me the motivation when I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's any other kind of fun things. Um, I think another component, and maybe I'm not answering this correctly because I'm, I'm more so, I'm distinguishing between fun and um, and learning style, like not getting frustrated. <laughs> um, and so I think another component is just like learning what your learning style is. Uh, so for me, just listening and watching videos is not enough for me. I actually like to listen, watch a video, maybe like three times, two times speed, just get like a general idea and then just do it. Um, and so that's another component. So I guess like my main focus is avoiding how to avoid like ending frustration <laughs> so that you can have fun. Um, I, I don't know if that was the best response, but uh, that's that's my approach. I take. I really like that. I, I like that 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 very very important piece about how do you define fun 
because I think we're talking about fun. Like it's a general thing. That's the same for all of us, but that's very important. Find out what is fun for you. Like fun for me is like when I learn, like, like I got a, a ton of books here that are like comic book, you know, cartoon books, but they're cartoon books on like statistics, linear algebra, calculus, microeconomics, computer science, things like that. Right there. That's fun for me just because it's like, Oh, funny cartoon drawings talking about an interesting uh, technical topic. Um, but Mark's fun is working through that frustration to get the, the end result. Yeah. Um, great tips, Mark. Thank you. Um, I'll open it up to anybody else. If anybody else has any comments on this part or questions, um, go for it. Questions or comments from anyone. I have a couple questions, but we are rather trivial. So no, I don't sorry. know if someone has more serious ones. No, no, no. <laughs> I would okay. Well, the first one is actually I was listening um, your uh, podcast with Dennis Rotman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, recently released. And I was, it's, it's really interesting. And I was really interested in a way how he's thinking and, you know, how he's analyzing things. Um, and when I heard that he has books, I was like, oh, that, that's great. I would like, you know, kind of to, to get a little bit more in, in depth of his really brains. However, when I started looking at his books, I'm realizing that these are more methodical, more kind of on a subject rather than really showing, you know, his thoughts, more philosophical kind of things. So just wanted to double check with you. Is it, do I understand correctly? He, he doesn't have a book that would be really more philosophical yeah. on, on the topic. Yeah, his books are mostly textbooks type of books, right? Like those uh, books from packed publications. So he writes, he's got a few books out, I think maybe three or four-ish, but they're all just like textbooks type of thing. Um, I haven't looked at many of them in, in super in-depth, but I mean, there's probably not a whole bunch of his like philosophy in there, which well, that's an interesting point. Like you should message him and tell him to write a book outside of packed publications about the way he thinks about things, because yeah, it's pretty interesting uh, hearing him talk. He's uh, he's a very interesting character. I enjoy talking to him, but yeah, there, there's, yeah, not, definitely. Yeah, there's not a book that, um, uh, that he has. Yeah. Okay. And just a quick one, a second one uh, about keyboard. Um, so what I'm learning, what I'm understanding that serious programmers are kind of tend to prioritize using only keyboard uh, or, or mostly keyboard. And that's something that is really new for me because I always was thinking it's like, oh, it's very quick, you know, using mouse. Um, so just maybe a little bit, if, if someone can share, you know, uh, how free you as well experiences you, and how you transition actually, how you yeah. do that. Because now for me, it's difficult. Were you like watching me last week, like over my shoulder or something? Or did you hear me talk about this at all? Because uh, I, I've been using, com like I'm 30, I turned 38 tomorrow, right? I've been using computers since I was 12, maybe, right? I've been using computers for a long time. It never occurred to me to just start using the keyboard because those fractions of a second, not even fractions of a second, like just because here's my setup, right? Keyboard, trackpad. Um, it, it takes up so much time and then having to use a trackpad like that, like my wrist starts really hurting. Um, and it wasn't until maybe two weeks ago where I just said, fuck it, I'm, I'm doubling down on the shortcuts, keyboard shortcuts for the operating system and for the applications. And oh my God, life has been so much better. It, you have to keep practicing it, keep repeating it, but the productivity gains, I think, um, there's a couple of different games there, right? There's the, just the, the physical act of having to move your hand to the trackpad, find the mouse and then track where you need to click, right? That has a cognitive cost, right? That, that costs you money mentally. Um, whereas just focusing on the keyboard is just super quick and super effortless. 
um, there's some tasks that you have to go and use the mouse for like some more creative type of tasks, right? Like trying to copy like the body of text. Like it's not that easy or trying to like circle something, whatever. Yeah. If there's, only, I, I try to think of it this way. I'm forcing myself to now only use the mouse or the trackpad for things that only a mouse or a trackpad can be used for and focusing entirely on using just the, the keyboard and the keyboard shortcuts. And I've been doing that for a couple of weeks after using a computer for like 25 years. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't know where this epiphany came from, but I, I highly recommend it. Highly encourage it. Uh, I'd love to hear from anybody else here. Uh, I know Christoph, you've, you're a software engineer by, uh, by training and trade. So you probably have some good insight on this as well. I also use shortcuts because uh, like you said, they're time saving and like moving uh, lines of code, like up and down. This is cool thing <laughs> to do. <laughs> and you, you just have to get used to it. Like you can you can set it up in your editor and start using it. At the beginning, it's always unnatural, but um, at at the end, you'll save plenty of time. Yeah, and it just becomes so much more seamless. But it's it's the the tricky part is this, right? Because my personal computer is a Mac, and then my work computer is a Windows machine. So the keyboard shortcuts are a little bit different. So having to context switch between the operating systems has been kind of a pain in the ass. But um, I, I've noticed tremendous, like, just ability to focus more than anything, right? Because I found that me having to, like, find the mouse and click around and stuff like that, like, that really shifted me away from the task. Um, anybody else here uh, start using the the keyboard more than the mouse or has been for quite some time? I'd love to, love to hear your take on that. I see Asha is unmuted, so if you know. Is that, oh. Oh, that was by mistake. I didn't notice yeah. it when I was unmuted. No, no, no problem. But uh, Renata, are you going to start using the, the keyboard now? Sorry? So um, are you going to start using the keyboard now? Yeah, a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm taking out of baby steps. Um, I'm introducing the ones that I'm mostly using. Um, so something that I'm doing, you know, over and over. And probably, you know, the time maybe I will, I will use less. But at the moment, I'm at this stage where I'm still not necessarily seeing how it is quicker, but just because I'm also like, oh, okay, control, shift, and what's the next one? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I'm still, you know, calculating and I'm still thinking what exactly I need to, to press. So yeah, probably it, that's... Yeah. It takes some time for those like neural pathways to really burn in, but it's quick. Like it's super quick. Now, I, I would suggest just using it mostly for like the applications that you use most frequently, right? So like learning the keyboard shortcuts for Google Chrome, I think is beneficial. Just knowing how to switch between tabs, using the keyboard, open a new tab, get right into the URL bar, uh, search bar, whatever, things like that. Um, you'll notice gains immediately. Um, but yeah, it'll take, it'll probably it'll just take like a week or a week and a half for you to start memorizing and then it becomes muscle memory. Um, but yeah, definitely go for it. Cool, thank you. Yeah, awesome. Uh, love to hear from uh, anybody else. If you got a question, go ahead and unmute yourself. Let me know. I'll, I'll go to Asha for a question if you have one. I can just keep calling on her in the most inopportune times. Uh, yeah, let's see if there's a question from uh, from Dave. Dave, how's it going? Uh, so what's this all about? It's about keyboard shortcuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there were questions. Uh, well, we were just talking about keyboard shortcuts, but if you've got a question, you can you can go for it. Or if you want to talk to us about your experience with keyboard shortcuts, that's welcome oh, as well. Experience. That, uh, keyboards is uh, it's like my second assist. It's like natural to me to use keyboard only, preferably only keyboard because 
right now I'm currently using Vim and then when I use the VS Code, it has also the bindings of Vim and then if I use Jupyter, <laughs> also with bindings of Vim. So for me, I'm a bit biased because I'm, I realized that in the beginning when I use the mouse or the trackpad for Apple and then mouse, I will, I will tend to this? lag a bit. Because I tend to find the mouse, where is it? Where's the cursor like that? But when I use the beam, <laughs> it's so fast for me because I jump from this line to that line, that line. And then also the keyboard shortcut. So for me, I'm quite leaning to the, the, the keyboard shortcuts. That's my experience. Man, you use Vim. That's, that's hardcore, man. I tried to use Vim for like a week and I was like, damn, this is uh, tough. But I could see the benefits of it now that I'm like committing to the keyboard shortcuts. I, I think I'm going to move more into Vim. But yeah, learning the shortcuts for Jupyter Notebook is definitely, definitely clutch. Uh, you save a lot of time with that, uh, Mark. You know what's funny is that I struggle with the keyboard shortcuts because I have horrible like sh- memory. I always constantly have the reference thing. So like, I actually spend up more time and more cognitive load because I'm like, oh, what's that shortcut again? Let me go search it. And then I do it. And just the memorization doesn't stick for me. Even for like when I code, I'm like switching between R and Python. I'm like, is it a library? Is it an import? I have to go search it up. So I'm always using the mouse. Yeah. This is another side. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, like use the, use the keyboard. You'll see some some tremendous gains and then like your arm and wrist won't, won't hurt as much. Um, if anything, do just like a post-it note with, um, you know, like here, for example, here's a post-it note I have right here. Are you making good use of keyboard shortcuts to remind myself? I don't know if you can read it or not in my messy handwriting, but literally I have a post-it note on my laptop telling me, reminding me to make good use of keyboard shortcuts. Um, so, yeah. Things I have like one that. other thought on this, just from a, a sort of a, obviously not from a data science or coding perspective for me personally. Um, but I, what I've found is that when I, even in like Google Docs or something, it's like changing header sizes or changing text or whatever is, um, if I can put the mouse away a little bit, like the sort of the, the click and drag and highlight and all that, just it, that, that is such an, like a nervous, like excessive motion sort of thing for me. So the more I can like strip that away a little bit, the more I'm focusing on the, what I'm doing to the text and not like just clicking and dragging to like keep my hands active in that way. Um, and I don't know if that plays out in code or not necessarily, but I just think, um, like centralizing that activity into, to one sort of device can be helpful now. So you're not like doing these other sort of behaviors. I don't know. That's just, that's one thought that crept into my mind just now. Yeah. Uh, like, that whole point about that, what you're talking about, just like a nervous mo- movement. Not only that, it's like, I'm like a dog after a squirrel. Like I'll see the mouse and I'll be like, Oh, tab. Oh, let me go. Like it just leaves me down a rabbit hole of like doing stuff. That's not related to what I was actually doing. Uh, whereas just having the keyboard, it's like, Hey, I can only work on this window and maybe the next one that I have maximized. So there's productivity windows. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for that Austin. Appreciate it. Uh, let's open up the floor for any other questions. So if anybody would like to take the floor, go for it. Got some new people that just joined us um, in the last few minutes. Shout out to uh, Joshua. Also, Asha. I haven't seen Asha in a while. Hopefully, you're doing well. Um, yeah, go for it. Floor is open for any questions. If there's no questions, I'm just going to stall by, by talking about how excited I am to head out to the lake for a week. Rented a cabin right on the lake. Me, wife, and baby will be there for the week. I'm excited to just chill out and do mostly, uh, mostly just reading and writing do some 
philosophizing. That's kind of what uh, what I'm hoping to do this uh, this week. Mark has a question on content creation. Go for it. Yeah, so I'm I'm kind of getting into this weird spot now where I'm getting traction with my my LinkedIn. Um, and and people are starting to notice, and people are starting to reach out saying like, Hey, I want you to talk for X Y Z, or Hey, can you, do you want to do this 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 um this and that opportunity, right? And so a big component of, of data science is this like open source component um, and like really just giving out freely information. But then there's also this other component of like being a person of color and it's not valuing my work. And, um, you know, do I charge for certain things? Do I just do everything freely and just get burned out or just say no? And, you know, as as I'm creating more content, I'm getting more attention. Um, and I'm, I kind of want to take this more, more serious in the, in the next few months. And so I guess like, I guess it'll probably only be, you don't know if any other people are content creators, is how do you find that balance of like, being passionate and just sharing, sharing your work because like, like doing these office hours um, versus like being valued and being paid for kind of like the knowledge you built over a while. And then also like not burning out because there's so many other things to do. Yeah, man. I know exactly what you mean. So that like for anybody that just messages me asking for like, Oh, I need help getting into data science or I, you know, I've got a question about data science. I'm like, I got two open office hours, come to those, ask your questions. That's the only time you'll be able to reach me. You know, I'm not going to sit here and, and exchange messages with you on LinkedIn, but if there's things that come up or presentations and things like this, right? So um, just a recent example was for the Data Science Go Virtual Conference, right? Uh, they asked me to be part of the panel discussion when I was on there with Vin and um, uh, Leonard and uh, it was a few months ago. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. I could do that. Uh, but then I strategically said, all right, let me, why don't you guys let me be the MC of that event, right? Not the MC of that event, sorry, the, uh, the, the uh, chairperson of that panel discussion. And then they reached out to me to be the MC of the entire conference. And I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to just say, okay, I'll do it. Who has pay me X amount of money. Um, I looked at it as the long-term game, right? Um, Cause you have to, you have to think of some of these events as, or some of these interactions and relationships you go to, right? From a game theory type of perspective, because these are going to be iterated games that we'll be playing for the duration of us being in this data science space, right? So if there's potential for this to turn into something bigger or, you know, a engagement where we're continually going to be working together, then, I mean, I, I wouldn't bring money into it just just to to but you know just to be like oh well you know my time is x amount of dollars i, I would look for positive sum games right does that is that kind of making sense so that does definitely... like the give the give the give context i was in a video call where there's someone trying to ask for more time to get involved at the end they're like what do you want to exchange and okay. i had no answer at all i was like i didn't think this was possible like that what <laughs> and yeah. so i don't want to be in that position again where i have no idea you know i i, I just never thought of that yeah so um, I mean, think about what it is that, that you, that you value, right? So if, if at the end of that conversation, you're like, all right, cool. Well, um, you know, if, if this is just a one-off event, I don't see this playing out more and more over time, iterated over time, then yeah, just, you know, whatever X amount for my time and make that X amount ridiculously high because the anchoring effect is a thing, right? So whatever you spit out, make that number ridiculously high. Um, and I do that, you know, even with my podcast, like, like when people, when people, if people message me trying to get onto my podcast and I have zero interest in speaking to this person or putting in the effort to research them, I send them my promo sheet. I'm like, all right, cool. It's, you know, it's, it's X amount for an episode and a couple of posts. 
right? Uh, but if it's somebody that I really feel like, okay, I'm going to have a good time learning about you. I'm going to have a good time going through your content. And I'm going to enjoy talking to you. I won't even bring up anything, right? Um, I don't know if I'm like diverging off topic. Let me know if I'm, if I am. And I'll no, this, 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 this makes sense. This is a tricky, a tricky yeah. thing. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of even more tricky in data science, but like, there's so many free resources yeah. and I've used yeah. so many free resources. Like who am I to, <laughs> yeah. to charge for things I gain for free as well. So yeah. also so, like valuing your time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I get hit up a lot for me to do presentations. My default response is no, just because if it's not anything that I can uniquely contribute value to, then I'm not going to do it. It's not worth my time. It's not your, worth your time. It's you can get that stuff somewhere else, right? If it's like a, how to break into data science type of thing, if it's generic, I just won't even touch it. Like I'm just like it has to be something that only I can uniquely contribute value to, right? So you have to identify that for yourself, right? You have mm -hmm. to know what that is for yourself, and then pursue those opportunities or say yes to those opportunities that are going to let you do that. Um, but then also keep in mind that is this going to be a repeated game that we'll be playing with each other, right? Uh, the reason I was bringing up that data science go virtual conference thing is now because now they're reaching out to me to MC the next event, right? And and I'm like, okay, well, look, I'm trying to take summer off and then not do things, but at the same time, this is data science go. Uh, this is the virtual conference. This is like the the biggest stage in data science, right? Um, so I, I'm not going to be like, nah, like you know, and I'm not going to be like, yes, if you pay me X amount of money because. Like that's not the game I want to play, right? Because I want to iterate this game. I want to keep this game, keep, you know, keep on going, keep on going. So we're thinking of different ways for us to play a positive sum game. So in essence, my rambling is distilling it down to this. Seek out opportunities where only you can, where, where it's, it's your unique contribution, that it's something that only you can talk about um, uniquely. Look for long-term games with long-term people that will be iterated and repeated and only play positive some games right no that's 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 super helpful and and also i know it's geared towards content creation but like for everyone else too listening is like this needs to be applied to any business context you yeah. know for your for data science work so this is this is real, real really helpful and i don't have any friends or family doing stuff like this so it's like who do i talk to <laughs> to figure yeah, no. out what's the what's the gems <laughs> yeah no man absolutely absolutely like i mean it's like it's the reason that that i end everything with you've got one life on this planet why not try to do something big right because you've only got x amount of days that you get to live right before it just disappears uh, so whatever you do with your time, make it worth it because that's the stuff you can't get back. I can go back and, and make money, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I can make the money back always. I just can't get that time back. I can't get that energy back. I can't get that effort back. Right. These are things that I just cannot, won't ever return to me on the money, whatever, dude, I can fucking get that shit whenever. Right. Um, I see Austin's muted, uh, unmuted. So Austin, if you got any, uh, right here, go for it. Yeah. I just had one, the one thing you said at the beginning, Harpreet, I think is super important. And, and, and Mark, as you sort of build this persona for yourself or this sort of presence in these communities, um, I think carving out ways that you can offer yourself or your content or your perspective for free that are dedicated to that purpose. And so that that's what you can point people towards, right? Like whether it's an office hours or you have your own blog that you do or a newsletter or whatever it is that you're creating and distributing for free. And then from that, you can start to identify the communities like, like Harper was saying that you want to be involved in and that you have something to offer them. Um, but then you have this sort of like free, this sort of part of yourself that you're, you're, you're donating to the community for free and it's carved out and it's specific and you can control it much more easily than like sort of taking, fielding all of these sort of offers and then trying to um, delineate. So I think as you kind of grow into this um, new, 
new spot you find yourself in, I think that can be super helpful is like carving out something like an office hours or a blog or a, or a stream of content, even if it just sticks on link, LinkedIn, right? Um, that then folks have as like a repository for like what you offer and then, then can sort of connect with you and then you can sort of start teasing out those different um, opportunities. Excellent, excellent tips. Mark, how do you feel about that? No, this is this is really great. No, I really like this though. Cause like my main concern is like, I love this so much, I'll burn myself out. So yeah. <laughs> I gotta be really mindful of like, how do I use my time? Yeah, and I know you're, I know you're, type a personality too so you always want to do a little bit of everything as well so uh no i think it's great man i think you should definitely contribute but don't don't burn yourself out don't stress yourself out uh ali go for it yeah i wanted to add here uh, uh, i just put here in the chat uh, yeah so it's, it's like a benefit risk analysis so what am i gonna benefit versus how much i can put uh, on stakes like time wise uh, resources wise uh, Maybe you'll have to go somewhere, uh, I don't know, a coffee shop or something to talk over the project or whatever. Uh, and it's important to uh, define uh, what uh, one holds um, very noble, like the noble values. Like, for example, somebody at one stage wants to master what they're doing. So any opportunity to research a particular topic or work with the, somebody who needs help on an on a ML model, for example, then, then I'll jump on it and take the risk because I will learn this stuff. And if I do it on my own, then it's hours spent looking at videos, trying things that might not be as engaging. Uh, whereas uh, maybe if I master something and it's time to make money out of it, uh, I mean, even if it, even if it came um, easy, it's important to uh, understand the value of it in the market. Like, uh, for example, I started data science with a, with a, with a course that was given from my employer. So I didn't pay anything. I mean, I'm not going to give it up for free, you know, uh, because in the market, like uh, on, on freelancing sites, you'll see people, whatever they're charging for it. So it's, and usually they'll have the projects uh, given, um, uh, the, you can see the price ranges. So you can see somebody charging this amount, that guy's charging that amount. So it's good to, you'll see the presentation and you'll know where you fit in. Uh, one will know where they fit in. So it's, so that's how I do it. Uh, so, so now when I get some project, I mean, like, I'd be like, okay, maybe that guy who has that offering can handle it. I will focus on these other things that I hold valuable for me, like maybe a long-term client or a tougher project, you know? So it's all about uh, getting these, uh, uh, values. I don't know if I'm using the right, right term, but noble values or higher purpose things, goals, that kind of stuff drive. Uh, and then it's a, it's a benefit risk analysis. There you go, man. That's, that's super helpful as well. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. People are hitting you up and you're getting traction, getting noticed. Like it's, it's a good feeling. And I think it's in all of us humans to want to contribute, to want to give back, to want to feel like we have that um, out for lack of better term in our field like that that's a good feeling but don't let that come at the expense of uh, your personal well-being and your schedule and things like that man um like another rule of thumb i'll have is if if somebody like people will repeatedly reach out to me to be on stuff and i'm like all right cool like i, I can't, maybe can't, can't do a phone call can't do a video interview can we do it on email right and if it's an email then i could just do it Whenever I have time, I don't have to worry about being at a certain place at a certain time to talk to a certain somebody, right? I just, I'm slowly trying to, it's going to take a while, but over the next few years, I just want to do, do, do live life in such a way where I'm only showing up 
for things where I want to be and, and doing only those things that I want to do um, on my own time, which is going to take, um, I think it'll take me about five years and then I'll have freedom of my time completely. Um, so I'm working towards, yeah, great, great topic, Mark. Uh, love that, man. Anybody else want to uh, take on a question? Go for it. Happy to uh, open the floor up. Or if anybody has a follow-up comment on that, happy to uh, talk about that as well. One thing I've been wanting to do is uh, I want to write a book, <laughs> but I don't want to write a book that's a data science textbook, right? So I get hit up by packed publications a lot to try to get me to write a book. And it's like, okay, well, you guys keep coming up with topics I don't want to talk about. Uh, like I don't want to write a textbook. I would like to write a book about, uh, I don't know, something about like, like I'm really into philosophy, right? And I'm really into data science. I wonder if I could blend the two and really start making some headway in this ethics space within data science, because those are two things that I'm very interested in. Maybe I have something important to say about it. I, I don't know, but we'll see. That, that, that would be the goal. Free up my time so I can write a book. Is is that a, a thing that we have to respond to? <laughs> Sorry, I, I have a comment about that. So yeah. I, I'm looking. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm hoping to do my PhD in quantum information, nice. and this is like a whole new ball game. And you know, all these. I, I just heard that Germany is starting to do their uh, quantum computer. Norway is starting to build their quantum computer, and we're looking into like many years that they will get this product done. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've been, you know, quantum computer brings up all this kind of quantum uh, theory and what is metaphysics and the speed of light and all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking about that as well, like how I can integrate, because I'm doing my PhD in operation research. So all this kind of algorithms and stuff. Uh, so uh, what I'm trying to uh, work on is um, uh, like the way that quantum works is that you can have multiple messages going after each other in the same space rather than them taking different spaces, like all these bits. So um, something like uh, advertising, uh, you know, if you show like a stream of information going after each other, other in a different way uh, than going, putting all the information in at the same time rather than putting a little bit in a different combination. That kind of research, uh, it's a little bit uh, more analytic. Maybe it doesn't have, I mean, I, I, I still think it falls under the data science uh, umbrella because analy analysis analytics is kind of data science related. So that kind of optimization and then uh, the presentation of it and of course adding some machine learning spice to it. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that kind of stream is, is very um, uh, neat because you can think about it day and night, you know, and you have, you have light all around us and you have matter all around us. And then you, I start thinking about space and time and all this stuff. It's, and then I go back to all the philosophers and stuff. So if anybody wants to go deep with data science, you know, quantum information is, is really big uh, cookie to, to bite and, uh, yeah. and uh, swallow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that uh, happens to me sometimes because I'll get deep into philosophy and I'll just start thinking about metaphysics stuff. And then I'll be off on a metaphysics tangent for like a week. And then I'm like, okay, this is not really useful in my day-to-day -day life. So then I'll go back to more practical stuff and then more more about how to live like a good human. Uh, but what I find myself going down those metaphysics for, for uh, you know, a week, week or so at a time. And I'm like, all right, cool, I got to back up. Got to switch gears, go back into something practical. But with respect to information theory, I was, um, 
That's something I've been learning about over the past like week or so. There is a, uh, so uh, on Amazon Prime, there's a channel in Amazon Prime. It's like eight bucks extra a month called The Great Courses, which is hands down the most amazing thing ever. Uh, it's only like eight bucks extra a month in Amazon Prime. And they just, they have some of the best courses that it's phenomenal. And they're about 40 minute long episodes and you'll have about 35 episodes for one entire class. The class that I'm in right now is called the science of information. So it's just information theory from the ground up and uh, did not realize how much probability is baked into information theory, uh, which to me was fascinating because like probability is like my favorite, my favorite subject. Um, so they, they, I just absolutely love that. And they have, they've got other really, really useful courses. They've got an entire 35 part lecture on doing mental math. They've got a 35 part lecture on um, uh, big data and analytics, which was just, everything was super intuitive. Oh, I loved it. Um, so definitely highly recommend that if you guys get a chance to, um, they've got classes on philosophy, history, uh, all sorts of interesting things. Um, well worth an extra $8 a month if you already have Amazon Prime. Uh, Joseph, or it's not Joseph, Joshua, you were uh, unmuted. So go for it if you want to take over. Also, I see our friend Elkie's in the building. Elkie, good to see you again. Um, but yeah, Joshua, if you got a question, go for it. I think you're muted because I had to mute you. Um, there's background noise. But if you don't have a question, that is completely okay as well. No, no question yet from Joshua. Right on. Uh, but yeah, information theory, man. That thing is super, super, super relevant, super interesting. Um, did not realize that it was a lot of probability theory. They go way uh they, they from from fundamentals you get an intuition for like what in entropy is within two episodes um which i never gained right <laughs> like just by reading about it um so yeah it's it's super fascinating question from christoph go for it um that's actually a little bit of follow-up of our previous to uh, topic about uh, learning and um Many of you mentioned teaching uh, to teach stuff. And then I've got question about tips about teaching. <laughs> I mean, how to become a better teacher? Because I believe I struggle with explaining things. I'd love to share what I know. But even here, when somebody has a question, I, I try to answer and I feel that I'm, I don't explain it like the easy way. I'm... Maybe it's because of my English right now, because I don't feel comfortable speaking about everything. But I also feel like that I'm lost when I'm trying to explain something. So maybe you've got some tips or some sources that I could check. Yeah, um, like your English is fine. Don't worry about that. I could understand you perfectly clear, uh, but Mark, go for it. So I think um, when it comes to like explaining things in a, in a great way, um, there's there's two sides of it. There's like this one side of like, you know, it's easier to teach once you have like a mastery of things. But also I'm on the other side of like, I love to teach to learn things. And if I'm just a little bit further than the other person, like I should feel comfortable teaching. So I think, you know, being being comfortable, not being a master to teach, that's another, another thing. Um, and it's caveating that <laughs> to other people. Um, but then the other key thing is that like many times when I give great explanations, it's not off the top of my head. I put in a lot of work up front and a lot of that work is specifically like who is my audience and really meeting them where they're at. So if I am talking to a bunch of data scientists, then yeah, I'm gonna do my research, talk, talk in the, the jargon uh, that everyone will understand. But if I'm going to speaking to like business executives who like, who understand the business really well, but do not understand the data stuff, right? You know, 
I have to bridge that gap. And so even though I know that the answers from my analysis or, or work I'm doing, I'm spending significant amount of time reworking, like, what does this mean to someone who doesn't understand X, Y, Z, right? What's a simple way that's not like, um, uh, not won't be a slap to the face in a way where I'm like, make it too simple, where like, really get the point across. And then I rework that. I read it over, I read it to other people. Um, and so there's a lot of preparation where when you go to have that conversation, it comes, it seems seamless as if you're just naturally a great speaker. But the reality is I spend a lot of time up front doing my research and reworking and workshopping things to get into a solid explanation. Yeah. And I would add to that, that's phenomenal advice. And one thing you could do to facilitate what Mark's saying is when you are learning something, imagine yourself teaching it as you're learning it, right? So take your notes, do your thing, then sit back and reflect, all right, cool. If I was to teach this to somebody, how would I explain it, right? In the simplest way, right? And then think about how you would explain it and maybe write it down and just go through that thought experiment. Um, that's something that I find to be useful as well. It's as I am you know, learning something, pretend that I have to teach that right away. How would I teach it? But yeah, a lot of good and tips here as well. Um, let's hear from Austin. One, oh, one, oh, yeah, go for it. Go for it, Mark. Yeah. Real quick, one last thing too. And the, the thing about like not having to be a master to uh, to like teach, the, the kind of scenario where that clicked for me is I was talking to someone who basically wrote this book, like the de facto book on some type of technology. I forgot what it was. But essentially they're like, yeah, I I didn't know. I just taught myself to write the book because I thought it was going to be an interesting market and people want it. So he taught himself to write the book he wasn't this master. Now it's like a de facto book. So like, after I saw that, I was like, oh, you can teach anything. Just, you just got to be able to explain it well. I would be able to pick it up. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a secret too of the expert industries that you can be an expert in anything. Just put in the work, put in the study, uh, write about it, get clear thinking about it. And then all of a sudden you're an expert in it. Like I, I admire people like that who set out to conquer a topic by writing about it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be the expert on quantum information theory. How do I do that? well, fuck it, I'm going to write a book and I'll start there and w work my way up. Um, but yeah, let's go to Austin. Uh, I had a thought about that, all that. Um, I used to teach at the college level. Um, I did like English kind of one-on-one, so like writing and composition. So writing arguments, uh, things like that. And I, I think for me, when I struggled the most is when I could feel my brain uh, speeding up. And I think like really analytical thinkers and deep thinkers, a lot of times they start outpacing um, like what the next step is or like what the very next literally. And I think Mark's point about considering the audience is super important with this, where when I, so I've done a lot of work as an editor of a technical blog um, where writing about anything from data science to machine learning to mobile development, augmented reality, a tech space. Um, and one of the things I, I learned through editing and working with um, contributing writers was that um, when I could get folks to say, okay, just ask the question. If you, every, every sort of every sentence or every couple of sentences, like what is the next thing my audience needs to know? Like what is the absolute next step? And even if it seems like you're over explaining, just slowing yourself down into that process of asking yourself and reflecting um, what's the next thing that they need to know? What's the next step that this person needs to follow? Um, it can slow your brain down a little bit. And, um, you know, things you might take for granted or things you've learned that you might sort of have internalized that other folks have not internalized yet, that can help you tease out what those things are. It's like if you were, um, if you were telling someone how to make uh, a turkey and cheese sandwich, right? And you actually giving the step-by-step -step instructions of that. If you were to list out every single step-by-step -step instruction of that and say, what's the very next thing that someone needs to learn, that could turn into a 10-page description of what, and not saying that you want everything to be a 10-page description of how to make a sandwich, but what I'm saying is that 
that slowing down teases out what inside of your knowledge is like uh, implicit and just something you've internalized versus something that, um, oh, I need to be more explicit about explaining this because so where my audience is entering is they don't have this learned context that I've learned over time. So like part of it is that slowing down and being methodical about thinking of your audience with each step of the way. And I think the writing to learn is a great way to do that because you actually have to write out those steps, right? And like, if you're talking about a regression or something like that, you want to teach someone the basics of that, you have to go through and like each step of the way. Um, and so I think that sort of mental process has always helped me because uh, I used to just get in lectures, I used to get way out in front of myself and talk about like rhetorical theory. And I haven't even talked about like, what's the point of a topic sentence, right? Um, so I think that's that's one thing that I learned in my, my years of teaching that was super, super helpful for me is that it's slowing myself down a little bit because uh, I'm just like an, I'm an ideas person. I'm an overthinker. Um, and that like simplifying that down and getting rid of some of my own complexity was, was, that's a, some pro tips right there, man. I really, really like that. That just makes it super concrete and simple to think about. Like, so if you were to combine everyone's advice, it's take into consideration the audience, pretend that you're teaching as you're learning and always focus on what is the next thing that this person needs to know in order to grasp this thing. Um, Asha? I think that's a perfect question. Thank you for asking that. That advice that you've given is perfect. I have the same problem, but the problem is I tend to open tabs in my head, right? So I'll have a conversation. I'm rambling through, I'm rambling through. Then halfway, I'll start having a conversation with myself. In the middle, I'll forget what I was explaining. Like I'll explain it, then jump to the end, had some of the conversations internally, forgot to have them outside, then wonder why you're not catching up with me. Then again, I'll have to start. But I have a lot of tabs open a lot of the times because I'm talking to myself a lot. Not like a crazy person, but it's just happy. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. And a good way to start getting fewer mental tabs is to just start getting fewer physical tabs on your laptop device, right? Start by just closing the tabs on your actual Google Chrome browser. And then you'll you'll notice that suddenly the tabs start kind of dissipating in your mind because you only want to have one tab open at a time, right? Just just clear thinking, a calm mind, a calm mind with a happy disposition will take you a long way when it comes to trying to just be a good human, I think. But I know exactly what you're talking about with that mental tabs analogy. That happens to me uh, quite frequently. Um, but I find that part's helpful, like at the very beginning of, of doing something, right? Like trying to connect dots between things like, okay, this thing that I'm learning about, wait, it reminds me of this, reminds me of this. And, and then it, it, it can help solidify that, um, that understanding if you're able to connect it to, to different things. Um, but yeah, uh, Mark saying mindfulness is the key for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ali? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's that tabs is important, as you mentioned, how uh, when we're learning stuff. Uh, I find myself opening a tab, just one tab when I talk to someone, but I then take this tab for like uh, five, five minutes, for example, of the conversation. And then I'll be like, oh, by the way, all this I said is just for this one little point. So sometimes I get carried away, but uh, not so many tabs. I mean, uh, I, I, I will pray for you uh, that that uh, improves for you. <laughs> but again, it shows that you're a deep person and you have like... Uh, multiple processing and that's uh, that's not a bad thing to have it's uh it might be even special but again uh, it's important for us for us to think of the person in front of us the audience uh what what really do they care about do they care about me talking about this thing for five minutes just for me to remember this small point i mean again it depends on who we're talking to if it's a family member if it's a friend we can go on a tangent for a little bit 
more time. But if it's like a lecture, I mean, no, we cannot do that. We have to be well prepared and make sure that we open just one tab for that one audience. Uh, so, so I'm sure that we that these things are taken into consideration naturally. And uh, uh, so maybe that will take a little bit of pressure off of us that like I do that, yes, with my with my parents, with my relatives, with my friends, but not with uh, like an audience, like a lecture, for example. I would not, I would clearly open just one tab for them. <laughs> yeah, great tips. Let's hear from uh, from Mark. And then after Mark, um, let's go to Elke. Elke has some uh some good tips here in the chat. So Mark, and then we'll go to Elki. First of all, I just want to say, I love the analogy of tabs in your head. I never thought of it like that. It's always described as having like 20 conversations going on in my head and tab seems much more socially acceptable. Um, and so something that I do, I, I mentioned mindfulness, but to give like an actual step to like how to, how to utilize mindfulness is that say, for instance, you're having a conversation and you want to do active listening, you really want to engage with this person. Um, but you're, you're starting to hear this like conversation internally creep up right and you're like oh my gosh i have because you're probably inspired you're having such a great conversation you're probably inspired by all these different things um there's this, te- this skill called noting note that you're like oh i'm thinking about that and then go back back to the conversation right and just you're going to notice that you're going to note over and over and over again and that's okay because over time, you're, tra- you're going to train your mind to automatically say like, oh, I'm thinking about something. Let me bring it back, right? And then the next step is after you note it, mentally imagine it like that thought just moving away. And you bring yourself back into focusing on it. And um, you it, it, mindfulness, I, when I first started doing mindfulness, I, thought, I was like, this is some hokey pokey stuff. Like, ah, this isn't going to work. And it's like doing uh, like exercise reps for your brain to really get into that real focus. Um, and it's, uh, it's super, super helpful. And I definitely notice when I don't do this, I'm all over the place. <laughs> uh, that's a, I like that tip of just noting it. Um, but something I do is it, it doesn't make sense to do it when you're having a conversation with somebody, but when I'm thinking about many things or if I'm in the uh, process of doing something, I always have like a pen and paper. And I'll just like quickly write it down just to, to outsource it. Uh, and that, that helps. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's some great tips. I would say, man, like for me, I'm trying to get to mindlessness. That's what I'm trying to go for. Just complete stillness of of the mind. That's that's where I'm where I'm trying to go to, go to. But uh, Elki, let's let's hear from you. Some great great tips here in the chat. Yeah. So uh, first, I agree with uh, what Mark is saying. My um, yoga teacher used to always say, like, imagine your thoughts as clouds passing by, and you can see them, and you are aware of them, but you don't have to react to them. You can just let them go by. Um, which I think is great if you need to be present in a moment, like in the conversation. But I also sometimes tend to do the opposite when I have the time and when I'm on my own, maybe going for a walk or something and just let my thoughts ramble and just think about anything and jumping from topic to topic so um, that I don't have these thoughts noted and pent up and I can just, I trust that I have thought of everything, every aspect that I wanted to think about in a later um, time and I can then focus on the topic at hand when I'm with people discussing it or working on a topic in depth or something like that. Yeah, it's an important point. Having that time to let your mind wander is extremely critical for making new connections in the brain. There's like the, uh, uh, you guys ever have that, that phenomenon where you're not by your desk, but you walk away and all of a sudden the answer comes to you, right? That's because your subconscious is still kind of churning through it. Um, I, I talk about something similar to what we're discussing right now at the topic at hand in an interview I did with Alex Pang. So go check that out. Alex Pang, uh, he wrote a couple of really interesting books. One's called Shorter, one is called Rest. And we go really deep into just the 
uh, cognitive processes that, that go on when, when we take a break from stuff. Let's hear from Christoph. I, I just wanted to say it's funny because we're talking about how our, our mind uh, wanders and drifts off. My question was about teaching and we're talking about mindfulness. <laughs> so it's just funny. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's why I, that's why I don't that's why I don't I don't uh, like stopping questions. I like to keep them going just to see how they unravel and how they unfold and where we end up. Um, but yeah, yeah, it is interesting. We talk question about how to teach, going into tabs in the mind, and now here we are. Uh, any other? Oh yeah, Austin, go for it. I would just also say that like there there is a counterpoint to this, which is like part of teaching is I've learned is teaching um, your students or whoever the stakeholders are is like how to think, right? Um, and there are like I'm thinking of the writing process, which is what I taught, you know. And, and there were there were more generative parts of the writing process, right? There's more of those times where you need to be able to create associations between different points of an argument versus other times where you need to be able to construct a sentence that's clearly communicating what you want to say. So I think there's room for both. And it's really about um, it's, it's an empathy question. Ultimately, I think when you're teaching, when you're trying to deliver information to someone else, you need to, like Mark said, like meeting people where they're at is like the, the kind of the, is the, I think the right way to think about that. And, and then that sort of is like, okay, is this, is someone blocked? They need a generative moment. How do you teach that? How do you teach the more constructive, like nuts and bolts pieces of it. Um, so I think both of those things can be super important when you're teaching. It just depends on the domain and, and what uh, what your audience or the person of uh, the stakeholder needs. Yeah, definitely. Um, Auntie, I see some good comments from you in the chat. So Auntie, I'm assuming you're done with your with your jog. So if you want to share what you're talking about in the chat, I'd love to hear from you. Get some good tips here. Uh, yeah, I'm well, still here. But <laughs> if I'm not too winded, um, I don't even remember what I wrote. Um, yeah, about writing those things down and then coming back later to see if they were really just garbage or if there's actually something worth uh, exploring more. But yeah, out of the, out of the head, out of the mind. Yeah. If yeah. you're really concentrating on something else, like what you're actually supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, for anybody who's interested, there's a, a methodology called getting things done, which is all about trying to come to a clean clear mind um and i I was following the methodology for a little bit and it 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 helped but um i just took bits of it that worked for me and and bits of it that uh that didn't i just left to the wayside christoph has a very cute baby in the picture nice to see you hi so if uh, anybody has any last minute questions now is the time to go for it Uh, if not I'm going to stall for a minute or two. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of the schedule to come hang out with me today. Um, I, I, we're coming back next weekend, next Sunday, right, Austin? I know that the invite uh, doesn't have the dates on there, but that's because when you set up the event, I think you can only do like X number of uh, like events, bef- you know, in a row, whatever. Um, but next Sunday, we will still be here at the same time. Absolutely. We'll get the link switched up and make sure Harpreet or I get that out to you all. And, and we're sort of working on the exact process of how it's going to happen, but we're, we're well aware of it and it's in process. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just heads up, this probably will be a bit late on the podcast. I know I usually uh, upload these particular episodes on Thursday, but I'm taking the week off. So this will be uploaded on Sunday of next week, this particular session, um, just in case you guys want to go back and, and listen in on on some of the awesome stuff we talked about today um thank you so much for coming and hanging out really appreciate having all you guys here take care have a good rest of the day afternoon evening morning whatever time it is where you're at i appreciate having you here remember you've got one life on this planet why not try to do something big
Cheers, everyone.